Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. This is Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paigey, I know that you're an adult and you're focusing on having a baby even because yay, you and Joseph are expecting your first, which is so fun, mm-hmm. but it wasn't too long ago that you were a youth as opposed to an adult having a family on your own. So today we're going to be talking about teenagers mm. and you and I know that there's kind of a difference between a youth and a teenager. We're going to discuss that. And we're going to talk about can teenagers learn self-government? Because a lot of people wonder about that. They worry that if their child is older, maybe it's too late to learn self-government. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, it is not too late. And we will explain to you some things that you can do to start your family, including your teenagers on the road to self-government. But before we do that, we are going to talk about a fun family activity. What is something that sounds fun for people this time of year, Paige? Well, I would say this time of year, especially when you're younger, we like to go camping. And I know you guys are headed out on a camping trip here soon. And um, it's it's something that we did as a family. And it was super, super fun. We considered that our vacation time, especially since we were homeschoolers. So we did school year round, but we usually didn't do a whole lot of school when we were up camping. That was our vacation time. Yeah, a little bit, right? We'd read, we'd do some nature study, some little swimming lessons in the (laughs) pool at the campground, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was, it was family time. Lots of that fun stuff. Okay. So camping, super fun. So whether you can go somewhere to camp or not, there is one part of the camp trip that I think you can do almost anywhere. And that is cook over a campfire, which I think is super fun. So we actually ended up making a fire pit in our backyard years ago because we just always wanted to be able to have the option to cook over a campfire if we wanted to, or just to go make a fire and sit around it and just, you know, watch that summer night go away as you're getting warmed by the glow of that campfire, which is just really magical. Now you don't have to have one in your own backyard, but there are easy places to make campfires. Sometimes there's certain parks that allow campfires, or you can go, you know, into the woods and there's little picnic areas or little camp, little spots where you can make a campfire. It's just so fun to cook over a fire. In fact, that's probably one of the most memorable things about camping. Mm-hmm. Is cooking over the fire. So um, no matter how you do it, see if you can figure out a way to have a little campfire maybe this week with the family and, and just taste that feeling of summer that comes maybe with camping. And if you can plan a little camp trip, that's fun too. All right. So let's get into teenagers and youth and self-government and, and all of that good kind of stuff. We're going to be looking at this whole topic today through the lens of self-government. It is important that people know what self-government is if we're going to be talking about can they learn it, right? Right. I'm assuming that a lot of people who've clicked on this maybe have listened to some of our other podcasts. I mean, this one's like number 73. So, you know, we've been going it a while for these podcasts and all of them do relate to self-government. But in case this is your first one, self-government is what, Paige? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect 
of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yeah. Did this help you when you were in your adolescent years? Oh goodness. Yes. It sure helped me with you when you were in your adolescent <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. It so here's true. the, yeah. So here's the thing. Paige has fiery little personality. She's determined when she sees something, she goes for it. That's what she does, which is awesome. It's a fantastic characteristic. Although sometimes it can mess up roles and even harmony in a family, because if one person starts trying to control everything, then you got issues. Right. And yeah. so Paige had a little tendency to do that even though she was really driven I didn't want to squelch that but I also did not want to um, give her the impression that she should control everybody else and so we made sure she knew some limits okay so there's different skills that we taught her skills like how to follow instructions accept no answers and criticism accept consequences and disagree appropriately these are the four basic skills that she learned but she also learned steps and skills for corrections and pre-teaching and you know what to do to get to calmness when you're not and those kinds of things that actually were parent skills that I was using with her or rather on her <laughs> so yeah. anyway um she learned self-government from me and she practiced it all the way up so she started learning it when she was young a little teeny one like around age you know just toddler age but then it it served her all the way up her whole childhood. In fact, has it stopped serving you yet, Paige? Nope. It's still in full effect, even in my married life. So I've been, you know, trying to example it with my husband. And a lot of it's just me using it for myself to have a better relationship with him. Yeah. And with everybody else, how nice is it to be able to disagree appropriately with a professor, right? Mm -hmm. So good. Instead of feeling like you have to be disgruntled and complaining and whatever, right? And, and how nice that sometimes when things don't go your way or husband didn't make the bed or whatever it is, you can just go, <laughs> I'm going to accept a no answer on that, right? Mm -hmm. So, and you can just drop the subject and not choose to take it personally. So there yeah. are just so many great components to... I see there are lots of more no answer, lots more no answers with pregnancy hormones. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. Well, and there's other things you have to do for yourself, right? You're like, okay, well, if I'm going to exercise, I've got to give myself an instruction and make sure it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's things that, you know, you do when you are an adult, but they're all the same things that you learned starting when you were a toddler. So if, if we can give you one big answer, it's that it's never too late. And that really the skills that you learn for self-government, they are not babyish. Now, I know some people probably think these skills are for little children because she has children's books. No, the children's books were just made to help teach little children and make it more fun to mm -hmm. teach them. And so that they could go, oh, this child in the story is doing the skill. I think I'm going to try to do this skill too. You know, but just because we have those books and there's pictures of children and just because there's a chart, we have the choices map and it has pictures of small children does not mean that the skills are all for small children. In fact, they are for adults, as we have just talked about. So every single person can learn the principles of skill and skills of self-government. And, and so we're going to talk about how you can set up an environment um, so that your adolescent child, your youth will want to learn these skills and will bond closer to you and improve that relationship. Yeah. So mom, so, I noticed that you hesitated to use the word teenager. 
Now, there why is, is a that? reason. Yes, there is a reason. <laughs> and you know why that is.、Mm-hmm. I don't like that word. I, I do not like the word kid. I'm going to say that, even though the word kid is written in a lot of my videos, you know, on YouTube and stuff, because people search for the word kid, you know.、Um, and so we have to put it in the search so that people find the right information. <laughs> But I don't like the word kid because. Uh, I'm a Bible reader, okay? And in the Bible, it says that he had his lambs on his right hand and his kids on his left, you know? And so, and the lambs were like preferred, right? And the kids, like, not as preferred. And so, and so I feel like that means they're not as, you know, they don't have as much potential or something, you know? Anyway, and so, and I feel like kid is one of those terms that people started using、um, in a derogatory way for children. So,、um, so I do like, you know, to go back to the root of, of child and、mm-hmm. little lambs and stuff like that. I would much rather. So I try to not use the word kid. I can't say I 100%, <laughs> never, ever, ever, just because it's so cultural that sometimes you just say something so that you hit your point with somebody else. But、um, teenager, I really do not like. And It's because、but、there's like it, a specific reason for that. It's not just because, like, you know, the other one was biblical, but this one, there's an actual reason. Well, oh, yes, there is. And you know it, Paige, really well. So,、mm-hmm. um, so before World War II, if you called someone a teenager, that was a derogatory term. That meant they were a delinquent, a person who wasn't turning out right. You know, it'd be like, ah, teenagers, you know, these teenagers.、Um, and if, And, and everybody else, all the young people, they were called young man, young woman, youth, maybe whippersnapper, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But they,、um, they were not called teenager. In fact, they didn't want to be called teenager. And there's a reason why, because there's a difference between those teenagers and them. Now, now, we have culturally taken that term teenager and decided to make it something good, even though it isn't. And if you just say it, it just kind of sounds derogatory. Like there's just something about it. It just doesn't、um, sound but, mature. Yeah. And it just sounds condescending somehow. I don't,、mm-hmm. I don't like the tone of it just when it rolls off my tongue, even. So, I try not to say it, even though everyone knows what a teen is, right? And so sometimes you have to say that. But,、um, but there was an article written by Dr. Michael Platt, and this was years ago. It was written 1990 something. Anyway, and it was called The Myth of the Teenager. So, if you Google The Myth of the Teenager in quotes and then put plus Dr. Michael Platt, you'd be able to find it. It's fantastic.、Mm-hmm. And,、um, What he talked about this, this change that happened and you know, what a youth used to be like versus a teenager. So he says, you know, youth, they used to want to become like their parents. They wanted the responsibility of adults, they wanted to be looked at as mature, responsible, hardworking, having good character. They, they dressed like Their parents when they went to school and when they went out with their friends because they wanted to look, look the、like、part, what they were going toward, right? They wanted、mm-hmm. to be seen as adult like. And so that's what a youth was. And they had heroes, they had people like grandma and grandpa and, you know, George Washington and, you know, people, people look of, up to people of character that they were trying to emulate and be like. 
And so having good character qualities was considered to be a very strong thing, right? Even though there were some delinquents. So there were some of these delinquents who were starting to go toward, but I'm cool, right? <laughs> and so there, and, this, and this definitely came in with the pop culture shift toward rock and roll and stuff like that. So all of a sudden we had the greasers and the, you know, people changing culturally wanting to be different and that somehow this this push against culture and trying to grow up it the the shift was don't ever grow up right and and so that's the direction that people the the some of the young people went but it's interesting because the shift was don't grow up but still expect to be treated like a grown-up yeah expect the perks Mm -hmm. get the cell phone be able to smoke and you know, and drugs and whatever, and don't have to tell anybody anything, anything like entitlement, I get to do whatever I want, total max freedom, but no responsibility, no maturity, no trust, no adherence to values or morals. So just a really interesting thing to see that unravel in that way. And so then um, we had uh, a shift where all of a sudden everybody was thinking it was normal to be a teenager instead of being having that be like, ooh, those ones aren't turning out okay, right? So um, teen, teenagers, they don't necessarily have heroes, they have idols. So it's mm-hmm. all about being famous, being popular, getting attention. That's important stuff. So they um, try to look up to people or try to become like people who seem like they get a lot of attention. And that's really what they're going toward. And there's a lot of other things in there. You can read Dr. Platt's article, but this was a key thing for... Um, for us, remember when I taught you guys about the difference between that and when we read that article, like mm-hmm. actually multiple times we read it together as a family, we read it in uh, youth homeschool groups that we were part of and discussed it. And um, I don't know if you remember at all what occurred to you, you know, what you thought when you read that. Um, but I remember you were pretty passionate about it, Paige. Yeah, it was it was something like, oh, I really don't want to be a teenager. And in fact, I remember me and a group of my uh, homeschool friends, we all got together and we kind of wrote a, a, a compilation of why we were youth instead of teenagers. And then we put it into like a little spiral bound book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the words of, you know, age 12 to age 15 people, you know. <laughs> Well, and it was called, I'm not a teenager and here's why, like that was the name of the book, but it was awesome. I actually bet people could still find it out there somewhere on the web. If you just put it in quotes, I'm not a teenager and here's why it was very cute. You guys all wrote it and you did your own like research on it and it got, you know, and everyone compiled a different chapter. It was really neat Mm -hmm. actually that you guys did that and you decided, we just laid it out straightforward. Yeah. And so then after that, it was like, if anyone said teenager, you guys would be like, oh no, I'm not a teenager. <laughs> Let me explain, <laughs> you know, because all of a sudden you were offended that someone would call you that. Yeah. Well, and the whole like, reason behind that was because, you know, you had taught us all of these things and just the way that we were raised, we were raised, oh, you know, this is our goal to be you know, a good functioning adult. And these are the skills that we're going to need in order to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And so to, you know, be a teenager 
it was just not something that we wanted because we had been raised to want what you know we had been shown by our mm-hmm. our parents and by the adults around us and i you know i was very lucky to be raised in a homeschool community where there were lots of amazing adults that um, were examples for me. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really, really awesome because then I was able to have goals to look forward to and, you know, shoot for. And I won't say that like, I didn't dabble in the teenager thing. Like I dabbled, but I'm like, this is stupid. Why would I want this? You know? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's natural for, you know, middle-aged youth or, you know, Adolescence. Adolescence. That's the word. Yes. Um, to explore that track and, you know, that's normal, but when they have the proper example to follow, they won't stay there very long. Yeah. People test. I mean, you have to kind of expect that a little bit, right? Yeah. So that's kind of one reason why I decided uh, you keep the bar way, way high. Right. Mm -hmm. So in our family, the bar was way, way high. So if all of a sudden your test was, you know, uh, I don't know, like, well, instead of listening to classical music, I'm going to listen to this pop song. <laughs> You're like, ooh, you know? And and you felt like you were really going against what normally the family listened to or did or whatever, you know? When you keep a high bar, because always during the adolescent years, people will push and test. So if your bar is low, right? If, if your bar is like, oh yeah, we'll watch anything or whatever, then they really will go down to something more extreme, right? Mm-hmm. So we didn't play computer games and stuff like that. So when, you know, maybe like um, Quinn say with a friend might be like, oh, I'm going to play a computer game at his house. And he felt like all of a sudden, suddenly like, ooh, you know, <laughs> um, then the, great. You know, I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to worry about it. When he's going to say, mom, when I go to so-and-so's house, can I play a computer game? And I'll be like, well, yeah, but, you know, just remember not to get sucked into it for too long because they can, you know, kind of suck in, take over. But then he's feeling like, ha, ha, I get to do this cool thing that I don't normally get to do. And, you know, <laughs> and then afterward, he's like, yeah, it does kind of suck in. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but it's because he had that background of analyzing those things. You know, he was taught to see those yeah. things and he was taught to shoot really high for his life goals. And so it's okay mm-hmm. to like, you know, experience those other things. You know, and some people might see what we did as um, younger children, adolescents, like restrictive. And in fact, I had a lot of friends that are like, like, you can't do that. Like, just don't you like hate not being able to do this stuff? I'm like, you know, I'm okay. I'll experience it, you know, when, when I need to. And so like, in fact, when I left the house and went off to college, there were a lot of things that I experienced for the first time. I'm like, Ooh, this is fun, you know? <laughs> But then because I had that background of being able to analyze things and um, go through everything mentally, then I was like, you know, that was fun, but it's not really worth my time. So like, it's it's actually taking over my life. Yeah. yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. TV, right? I mean, if you're, because we only watched a certain amount of TV, we didn't watch TV really at all, but it was like, we had certain movie nights or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you go college and everybody's like hey have you seen this series and this series and this series or do you have netflix (laughs) yeah right so you dove into all of that and i remember first yeah (laughs) yeah, and i remember there was a point where you're like i am seriously not having time for school i am wasting Mm -hmm. so much time 
on this. And then you like made an adjustment for your life. You're like, yeah, I've got to that, switch. That's important. Life. You know, sometimes you yeah. have to let other people or let your kids go through that and just be like, well, you know, they're going to experience it and then they'll hopefully come out of it, you know? Well, I knew that you would experience something better. So here's, here's the, just to kind of like bring some focus into this little bit of the conversation here. Um, <laughs> So I believed in a principle um, and I, I always think of it as the principle of the gourmet. So um, if you want your child to like gourmet food, okay, or to become a gourmet chef, let's say, no one's going to ever become a gourmet chef if they are raised on a steady diet of hamburgers and french fries from McDonald's. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because they were raised on something less Okay. So, so I was raised. Food could even be disgusting. Yeah, exactly. They would be like, Oh, fish, ah, you know, or whatever, like they don't want it, you know? Um, and so, so I decided that our home would be a gourmet home. Not necessarily that I cooked gourmet all the time. Cause let's be real. That's well, grandma's job. Yeah. But I actually, and I'm a decent cook. I'm going to just say that. You are. Okay. So, <laughs> So, um, but when we're talking gourmet, I'm like talking gourmet, everything, gourmet relationships. Okay. Gourmet media, gourmet books, gourmet, uh, discussions and conversations, gourmet activities and travel, gourmet, everything, things that are really geared toward, um, creating a taste for the best. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that's what me and dad did. And dad, you know, focused on certain things that he wanted things to be the best, like cleanliness. That was his, you know, one of his we big had very things. high levels of gourmet cleanliness. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And other things that he wanted to have the best. But then for me, it all came down to what were we putting into our brains and into our bodies. Right. And so I'm going to try to do the best I can there. And so I spent, uh, well, all those years doing that. And because you were one of the oldest ones, you didn't get to have that little moment where we all of a sudden say, okay, let's watch this other thing and see how it compares. We didn't do as much of that with you and Quinn because we still had London and Porter that were little. And so we had to protect the environment for them. That's just how it goes. But anyway, um, it was the gourmet principle, okay? Creating a gourmet and you, and you actually, your story proves there was a point where you're like, I am just like potato. I am like junk, <laughs> like fried potato here at college. I am not doing what I should and I'm getting distracted and I have higher goals than this. And then you changed because mm -hmm. you knew the difference. You, you can't ever change if you don't know something different. Yeah. And so there you go, because you had some gourmet. All right, let's talk about how to help teenagers. No, you <laughs> get on board with self-government. Well, okay. they could be teenagers right now. You never yes. know. Okay. And if you want them to understand the difference, read that article with them. Okay. Maybe that's like the one thing we need to say in this podcast, <laughs> read the myth of the teenager with your quote unquote teenager or youth. Okay. Um, wherever they're at, especially if they're a youth, they will really appreciate this knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. so what Paige explained was that she and her friends had read it and then they wrote this little book. Basically you get so inspired. It's so relevant because it relates to you. Such a great thing to discuss with young people. So, um, so read that and talk about the differences and actually make a plan for, for differences, but let's talk about self-government specifically. Okay, so self-government also requires 
knowledge. If you're going to ever make any change, any change in your behavior or your thought patterns or your outlook or your relationships, you have to know more. You have to know more. So we're going to start out everything with a really powerful conversation with our young people. So whenever I train people on self-government principles and skills, I always say, listen, one of the first things, maybe not the first, but one of the first things that you're going to do is you are going to go have a conversation with your oldest children. Maybe those ones that are like 11 and up, and you're going to have a one-on-one talk with them. And during this, you're going to ask them what they want out of their relationship with you. And they may even say some things that are rude and, but you're not going to take it personally. And then after you hear them out and repeat back what they want so that they can hear maybe even how rude it was, but you don't say it with rudeness. You just say, so this is what I heard you say, and this is where you're going. Oh yeah. Okay. Then um, here's what I hope to get out of our relationship, you know, and then this is what I hope for our whole family, right? This is my vision for the family. So there has to be a way for us to both get what we want. Right. And so then how are we going to do that? So then all of a sudden we talk about, well, we've got to get the whole family on, on the same page. We've got to create a family vision. And so then you do the family vision step of the teaching self-government program where you create that future plan that has tangible things that you can hold on to. You can feel that get the whole family, gets the whole family invested into making some change in the changes in the ways that you're com- going to communicate and behave and think as a family. Now, and if am- the older, if the older children are involved, then it actually helps the younger children get involved as well. Because oh um, totally like if they're really young then they just kind of go along with whatever, but um if you've got the older kids kids children talking about um that vision then it's so much easier to get everyone on board. Oh yeah, um, the younger's will follow the example of the older's, right? So yeah, if you have multiple children, remember that. That's why you want to talk to those older ones first. That's a really good thing. Um, there is so much more information on what this conversation could be like with your adolescent child. And that information is in the book Roles, The Secret to Family, Business, and Social Success. So be sure to get that book and find and listen to the conversations that uh, Jerry and Janet Justice have with their children because um, it's a story and you, they get everybody on the same page and it's really beautiful. And you get to understand some of the principles behind, behind how to do behind the how to on how to do that too. So anyway, you're going to have a conversation and get everybody on the same page for where you're headed. And then as part of this conversation, or maybe a different conversation, you're also going to have a discussion about philosophy. So this is where we teach more. And this is where we even teach maybe some history, just like with the myth of the teenager. And you tell someone, okay, well, here's the history of teenagers. Okay. I mean, you are one, you ought to know, right? And you say, and and look at the difference and look where we've come and what our outcomes are. Do you notice? Hmm. Right. And they may be oppositional defiant and be like, no, the teenager is better. It's an improvement. And you can say, okay, well, anyway, just so you know, this is the situation and here's the outcomes that usually occurs. Um, So just like that, you're going to want to explain what is self-government? 
What does it look like when someone doesn't have self-government? Give them an example. Maybe you know someone, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, somebody on the news, you know? What what does it look like when a person doesn't have self-government? It's kind of miserable, right? Yeah, and, use everyday examples. Yeah, and you're going to also talk about roles. So what is the role of a family in a person's life, okay? Uh, what does it mean to even, what, what does the word role even mean? Again, that's going to be in that roles book. So there's going to be a lot there, um, understanding there. That book really helps lay this stuff out mm-hmm. um, that I'm talking about here for helping your adolescent be able to want to self-govern. Um, and then you're going to be talking about um, principles, certain principles, like, well, who's in charge of making you feel happy and feel good, Right. And um, how powerful is the brain? Um, maybe you even would want to listen to on my website on teachingselfgovernment.com. I have a, a three-hour event called "The Value and Mastery of Emotions." It talks all about emotional intelligence and and how we can better utilize our emotions. I mean, maybe go to some training on that too, right? So this could be more philosophy and understanding that they need. There are many things there, understanding the value of families and roles and self-government and um, all the things that we're gonna teach them. Then after you discuss those things, lots of times they need still a little bit of a selfish buy-in. Okay, if I'm gonna do this extra work, of, you know, learning skills and and changing the way I talk and not having an attitude problem anymore. What do I get out of it? Or is it just to please you, mom? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it sounds sad that they would be that way, but a lot of young people just are at a selfish stage. Yeah. Yeah. They're just at a selfish stage. They see themselves as their only self, especially because the world keeps pushing self, 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 you do you, like everything is about the self. And so they, they have this like habit of going, but what do I get out of it? Right. So you're going to want to explain that you're going to want to say, you know, when you learn to disagree appropriately, uh, which is a skill that we're going to work on, you're going to be able to get your way more. When you self govern yourself more, you're going to establish more trust. So we will definitely be able to give you more opportunities to do other things that you've been wanting to do, because we'll know that you'll keep yourself connected during that time. So you're going to do some of that buy-in or, you know, um, when our whole family learns this and your siblings learn how to accept no answers, they'll probably stay out of your stuff. And if they don't stay out of your stuff, we will know exactly how to correct them. So this will be important. They'll be like, whoa, you know, and maybe they're looking forward to getting a phone or getting a driver's license so they can drive a car or something. Mm -hmm. And so you can explain to them, Hey, um, you know, as soon as we know these skills and we've really got them down and our family relationships are going how they should, that's when we're like, hmm, maybe this person is ready now to learn how to self-govern a phone because it won't control them now. Now, now our child will control it, hopefully. So anyway, a big thing there um, to discuss. So after the selfish buy-in comes the skills. Paige, um, when you were in your adolescent years as a youth, Um, do you remember like using the skills, wanting to use the skills, how you felt about the skills during that time? Oh yeah. No, there was, it definitely helped my communicating skills a lot and it helped me be able to get what I wanted. Just like you said. Um, I remember there was a time where I thought like, why am I doing these skills? I feel like I'm a robot. And so there was like, you know, a, a time of like rebellion. I'm like, this is so stupid. But then I realized when I tried to not do these skills, 
that life was a whole lot harder and I was frustrated much more often and I was angry I was holding grudges taking things personally and I'm like this is stupid (laughs) why am I trying this and so yeah it was but and so I'm like I went back to the skills I'm like okay this is a lot happy no but I'd see in my mind I thought I was being controlled you weren't happy but you had to see Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but the, so what you did is you tried to take control of, of the family by saying, I'm not doing the skills. Right. And then because of that, you were grumpy and controlling all the time. <laughs> and then, you know, I remember us having a talk one day and me going, Paige, do you see how you're just not really that happy? You're, you're doing all this fighting and pushing. There's a lot of consistency. We're going to correct you every time. I mean, that's not going to change. It's just, but now you're just making yourself get worked up and not be happy. And you were like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It, you still had to, to decide. It still took you just a little bit to kind of break out of that habit. Cause you had kind of made this little habit of defiance for a little bit. Um, you know, well, there was I'm a strong willed like child. Six, <laughs> yeah. Six months where you were just like, ah, you know, where you, you wanted to just control basically, instead of, I wanted to feel like I was in control of myself and not be, you know, succumb to these skills that were controlling me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and because that's how you thought of them at Mm -hmm. that time. And that's why I asked you this, because I remember you had that experience and I think there's some youth, well, or teenagers who, my, you know, you teach them the skills and they're like, this is babyish. I am not a baby or, you know, or, or they might just go, trying to control uh, me so much. They're just trying to shut me down. Where in reality, it turns out to be just the opposite because when you do the skills and our communication is good and the respect in the relationship is good, then I'm like, oh, you want to do that? Sure. Oh, you want to use the car? Sure. Oh, you want to, I mean, and everything was just sure, sure, sure. And then you had all the freedom in the world because mm-hmm. then I knew I had complete trust. You're just going through that little time of, got it. okay, fine. You know, we'll do this. Yeah. People like the, the teenager mindset that's stuck in the me, me, me does not recognize how trust is built in a relationship and how to get what they want. Sometimes we need to explain that to them. I know that when I was 14, I definitely did not understand this. And so I was arguing with my parents all the time. They weren't letting me do, letting me, letting me, I said, (laughs) awesome. Letting me do anything that I wanted to do. And so then a wise neighbor said to me, Nicolene, have you ever just thought of saying, okay, I, and I told her that would never work. My parents just hated my guts for sure. She's like, no, she said, I seriously go home for two weeks. And every time they tell you to do something or not to do something, say, okay, and be okay. And I bet you they'll, they'll let you go to parties. They'll let you do all kinds of stuff. I told her I would do it to prove her wrong. Cause I was strong-willed and, <laughs> and I went home and she was hundred percent. Right. And all of a sudden my life changed and my relationship with my parents changed. Well, Everything- you realized how trust was built. Mm-hmm. And that's something that well, is- I stopped being so proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. And it's something that you do have to go over with your adolescent children is, Hey, if you want me to trust you, this is the process of building trust. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's relevant. Because a lot of times they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So then they just fight because they don't know any other way. They're like, this has to be the way because it seems hard. And I guess I have to do hard to get, you know, what I want or whatever. (laughs) When in reality, 
The hard thing is stay calm. Okay. Stay calm. Let's talk about it. <laughs> stay calm. Yeah. Let's use our skills. So teach them the skills, teach them the skills. So help teaching them the skills go to teachingselfgovernment.com. Get the teaching self-government parenting course. We will talk about all the skills in there and show you all the skills and train you in all the skills that you need. The four basic skills for the children, the five teaching styles for the adults, the meetings that you need, have more help on getting people on the same page. That is the place you want to go. There's so much there on skills, skills, skills. So when it comes to the skills the parents need, we're talking about correcting. So this is another thing that's super important and that's consistency. When we talk about youth, we're talking about, okay, they're doing this sport, they're getting this job, they're, they're in these higher level classes, they're taking these bigger tests, they're you know doing these different things that seem more important, right? And so Sometimes we don't consistently correct them. We start thinking them as pulling away from us a little bit and needing all this extra friend time or whatever it is. And we don't think of the fact that, that we might be abandoning the teaching. And so then they could be developing entitlement like that fast. Mm-hmm. So, well, and a lot of parents, they do that without realizing because right. they, they're like, oh yeah, my kids, my children know these skills. They know it. We're good. Mm-hmm. And so they feel like, you know, I, I shouldn't have to correct them as often, mm-hmm. but they're also should... burned out sometimes. Right. <laughs> they're they like, don't want to correct it so anymore. many times. <laughs> yeah. When is this over? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I was talking to a mom just a little bit ago and she's like, oh my goodness, my son, you know, this, that, and the other, I feel like it's a correction every two and a half minutes for him and siblings. And I'm just done. <laughs> and you're like, no, you can't be done. Can't. <laughs> Your role is nurturer, which means you are a teacher of them. So you yeah. can't give up. You so cannot like, well, give up. Here's, here's what you do. You got to make sure you're doing a little bit of, you know, maybe make a positive incentive for you. <laughs> you know, if, if you're consistent with correcting this week, you get to do a little something after the kids go to bed, you know, or whatever. <laughs> She's like, yeah. oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. Dark chocolate. What? It works wonders. Yeah. But yeah, that dark chocolate every day. Is key. Um, I know there were times like sometimes when we were on vacation or like camping and stuff, there were times where you and dad would maybe be a little less consistent just because, you know, it was vacation. But when you were less consistent, things changed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we got more whiny and we got more bossy. And uh, for me, I probably got more controlling. <laughs> Well, because you got more selfish. That's mm-hmm. just, I mean, when you get selfish, when you get everything you want, you start expecting to be in charge of everything. Yeah, and so that consistency so, is key no matter what. Super important. So keep correcting stuff. And if you have to tell them, oh, I'm sorry, you went completely out of control. You lost your privileges for 24 hours. You know, you went through this whole thing because that's one of the, the negative consequences that a person could earn. It's like the biggest one, right? But mm-hmm. then they don't get the opportunity to go to their job. Or to go to their ball practice, they could get they could get penalized from the team and whatever. And ever, but you have got to stay consistent. They need to know. I they need to know. You got to tell them. I will be consistent, even if it means you get fired from your job, even if it means, you know, whatever it, it hurts a, a grade or whatever. We will be consistent with this because our relationships and you becoming the best version of you is that important to me. So consistency, uh, so important. Okay. So can teenagers learn self-government? The answer is yes, but we would love for you to think of them as youth. Okay. We would love for you to go. They're actually a youth 
they're stumbling through a few things. Let's not think of them in a derogatory way. Let's pull up our bootstraps, everybody, and let's decide that we are all in with helping the young people learn self-government. So when I took in uh, foster children, I took in teens, they were all between the ages of 12 and 18 years old. Sometimes they were 17 coming to my house, just like the two on the BBC documentary, The World's Strictest Parents, they were both 17. And you know what? At 17, they can learn all of the four basic skills, how you're going to correct them. And they can learn that beautiful calmness and safety. Like that the comes BBC when... show is a great example of teenagers learning self-government. Yeah, totally. It is. They fought it at first and expect that because old habits do die hard. But as long as you're consistent and focused on where you're headed and, and what your relationship needs to be like, um, they will come along with you. And, and your mindset should not be on force. It should be on trust, calmness, love, teaching, skill development, consistency. Those are your things you want to focus on. Thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Self-Government podcast. It was a lot of fun to talk today about youth and teenagers with you. And hopefully we gave you some stuff that you can use with your family. Thank you, Paige, for joining us. And we will invite everybody to find out more information if they would like more at teachingselfgovernment.com. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.